Hello, welcome to Remote Patrol. Oh boy, I have given up trying to say it in an amusing way. <laughs> Sad for me. Yeah, I'm not even saying colon anymore. I'm going to eventually abbreviate this to oh boy. That's my plan. Oh well, I'll survive. Yeah, that's, that's my plan. So we're here to talk about episode four of Quantum Leap because this is episode four of Remote Patrol. Oh boy. <sighs> now we can. I, I'm, I feel so much better because of that. I really do. <laughs> I, I'm so glad we did that. Not an episode episode. Mm hmm. Now, uh, we're going to have to be prepared to perhaps do that again sometime in the future. Uh, anytime that we might have two part episodes. Did they do that um, to us again? Um, I haven't looked ahead. I, I don't know. They do have two part episodes, but. Oh yeah, you're right. We're gonna have to do that again, aren't we? Yeah, cause I don't. I don't know if they if they join them together. For example, um, the that I just I have to get over this fear of spoilers because they're just very minor spoilers. They don't give away an overall story. The Lee Harvey Oswald episode might have been uh, a two parter put together. It was. That was two and, parts. Now the trilogy. We're going to have to decide if we want to hit the trilogy all at once or do it one episode at a time. And then there is the two-part um, return of Aaliyah. Yeah, I've been wondering this, actually, do we, you know, with multiple part episodes, do we do the whole thing? Or do yeah. we do... Well, I, th well, I think, I, we've I think most of that comes in season five, so we have some time. Yeah, and we, but we've, we've kind of set a precedent for doing the whole thing, technically. True. Because that's what we did. Mm -hmm. oh, my god this is covered in links for me to buy on dvd sorry i'm i, I clicked on the wrong thing on uh, imdb and realized suddenly that imdb is a giant advert <laughs> just now realizing i'm just okay. now realizing because i only use it for information i don't think well i must now buy quantum leap on dvd and uh yeah never mind so although we should everyone should if enough people buy it on dvd then they'll want to put it out on blu-ray well, I would point out iTunes is selling it in HD. Because that's where I've been getting it for this show. I did have it on DVD and traded it in ages ago. But yeah, they've got season one at least in HD. So it's worth getting. They look great. I think others must exist in HD. I, I don't know. I don't know what the process is. But it's weird because they're in HD, but they're still 4 by 3 so it's mm -hmm. square and you get the black bars down the side, but they, they look great. Um, anyway, episode four, the right hand of God, October 24th, 1974. Uh, in this one, Sam is a boxer, uh, that is owned by a convent of nuns. This, this ties into a, a dream slash fantasy I've had, I'm sure. And they need him to win a boxing match <laughs> to finance their new chapel. It, it sounds kinkier than it is. I don't understand the owning thing. Uh, but hey, basically, <laughs> he's a boxer, right? And he's boxing for nuns, and they need him to win with boxing so that they can win money and build a chapel. And if he loses, then they, they don't get a chapel. And that was now, what... now, don't be misunderstood. He is not boxing like you know for a quartet of nuns. He is not... He is not facing off against a quartet of holy women. It, he is in. He is boxing in their service. Yes, he's, he's just boxing a guy. Although I, I like, I would like to see that the other way around. One guy fighting four nuns. I, I would like to see this in boxing in general. This would really make it interesting, right? Let's let's see combinations of things that are worth a boxer, right? <laughs> So it, it can't be one boxer against four boxers. No, no, no that would no. be mental. That would be, but four little boxers, maybe. Right, one boxer against four clowns. That exactly, you're getting it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I think that would be that would be quite interesting. One boxer against two surly fraternity brothers. Yeah, me and my mates versus Mike Tyson. Like, as if that wouldn't be worth money on pay per view. Right. And if there's like 12 of us, maybe we've got a shot. Maybe that's it. One Mike Tyson equals 12 geeks. That's, you know, that's how that goes. We have to mob him. 
Because if he gets us individually, we're fucking dead. This is the birth of yet a new Simply Syndicated show. This is going to have to be a video show where every episode we stage this type of combination fight and we film it and then we we send that out as as the video podcast. Yeah, we just need like a, a, a recently retired boxer. I think someone who doesn't want the stress of like heavyweight boxing, but can still kick ass. Mm-hmm. You know, we do boxes pretty well in this country. I bet we could find somebody. I'll get into, the, you know, Lennox Lewis, perhaps Frank Bruno. He was a favorite in the eighties. I think he's poorly now. Actually, you don't know who I'm talking about at all, do you? Nope. It's fine. No, Frank Bruno. He was a boxer. And he was very popular in the 80s because he was like the best boxer here for a little while, but he was still crap. And I I just remember there was a big time he got to fight Mike Tyson for a champ. They don't have championship belts, do they? It's a title or something. And... Well, they call it a championship in this episode of Quantum Leap that we're discussing. All right, championship. And uh, yeah, Mike Tyson just killed him. Just he, he barely did better than I would have done, to be honest. <laughs> um only did better in that Mike Tyson got to hit him twice before he hit the floor. It, it was it was awful. Uh, but he was very popular in the 80s. And he had a catchphrase and everything. And uh, people would love to see him on telly again. And if we do it, Frank Bruno fights five midgets. You'd watch that. I think they prefer to be called dwarves. Well, yeah, that's that's fine. Is that right? I mean, I, I'm happy to use the appropriate term, but I thought dwarves was offensive because they're also fictional beings. They're, no, well, it, it is. They are fictional beings, and it is also an accurate and appropriate term. Now, I'm is, sure is you'll come a, across a few. You'll come across a few midgets who don't like the politically correct terminology of dwarf or little person, and they'll say, "I'm a midget. Just call me a midget." But then you'll find a dwarf or a little person, and you call them a midget, and then they get offensive. What, did, what were we even talking about to get onto that? Well, we were talking about uh, having uh, capable boxers fight dwarves. Yes, we were. That was That's equally absurd. A heavyweight boxer versus an entire class of seven-year-old girls from a, a school. Just little girls. Just like Loads of them. Pumley, Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson would do that. He's doing fuck all now. They're not making another Hangover movie, are they? Uh, I would hope not. No, he's he's not busy. I bet we could get Mike Tyson. Probably. Yeah. <sighs> or an so, entire school assembly. He might... I don't know. I bet they could get him. Like, well, with, with, with that him. scenario, he just has to fight them one, perhaps two at a time. And when they go down, then you bring up the, the next one or two. Well, that's that's their fault. It, that's a that's a fault in in tactics. There, if there's thirty five kids, they need to just all get him, and just destroy him straight away. Well, if if it's an entire assembly of the school, then we're going to have a few hundred, so it becomes an endurance exercise for him. It does indeed. Yeah. Um, good luck to the last few of them. Then, the first the first ones have got no chance. Right. Oh, well, I tell you what, in the first half of the show, he beats up the kids. In the second half of the show, their angry parents come to have a word with him. Oh, there you are. There we are. That's it. And that's our two-part premiere episode yeah. of of uh, Simply Syndicated. Um, oh, what are we going to call it? Mike Tyson uh, fights dot, dot, dot. And then each week we'll, we'll change it. Uh, Simply Syndicated, Mike Tyson, Miss matchups okay that's that's a horrible title we're not going to use yeah, that one no I was we're going to come up with something else yeah mike tyson right hand of god somebody get me mike tyson's email address m.tyson at gmail.com surely <laughs> surely that's it m.tyson at... yeah <laughs> or maybe it's something tyson... awful like <laughs> eye of the tiger at gmail.com Ooh, that would be horrible. But good for him, actually. That that would be that's much more appropriate for him. Let's talk about Quantum Leap. It's Let's. it's happening. Damn it! That's because Mike Tyson does not appear in this episode. Of no, Quantum Leap. we get a mention of Muhammad Ali and George Foreman. That will come into the story later. But first off, we talk about the beginning of the episode where 
Sam leaps into uh, Mr. Cody. Is it Kid Cody? No, it's not Kid Cody. It's Cody. We'll just call him Cody. He leaps into Cody in the middle of a match, which is going to be pretty much par for the course when it comes to Quantum Leap. He's going to leap in at the most inopportune time. That is just a piss take, isn't it? If we assume that he is being leaped around by some sentient higher power, whatever that thing might be, that he's never he never leaps into someone who's just woken up after a decent night's sleep or anything like that. Someone who's just finished a nice breakfast. It's always right. someone with his, who's, with his driver's license on the table next to him. Yeah, it's always someone who's about to be punched in the face or executed. Or, yeah, that was my favorite when he leaps into someone who's being strapped into the electric chair. Wait yeah. for that one, folks. And you're, how's he going to escape? Well, of course he is, because they're not just going to ki- randomly kill Sam Beckett five minutes into a leap in episode seven of this series, are they? Ah, oh, dear. But it kept me, I was on edge the first time. Mm-hmm. So this was the first one that we've watched that I felt was just normal, reliable quantum leap. It had all the elements there. It, this was standard stuff for the first time. Yeah. Which is pretty quick, actually. It's episode four. Uh, you know, normally a, a series will wait till late on. I, I didn't find that, unlike shows like Star Trek The Next Generation, for example, in which there is a great deal of difference in production style and quality between season one and season seven. And with that show in particular, you can watch any episode and you know what season you're on. There's no, there's no confusion with Star Trek: The Next Generation, for for the most part. I sometimes get um, four, five, maybe six, uh, a little bit uh, a little bit blurred together. But season seven, it's very easy to spot just by looking at it. And seasons one and two, not just because of the uniforms and uh, Jonathan Frakes' facial hair, not just because of that, but um, lighting and um, and production design camera angles those are giveaways in seasons one and two season three is also very distinctive in and of itself if for no other reason than all the blue uniforms became green and all the red uniforms became maroon yeah they did for, didn't they? Yeah. for one season yeah um it's also where we get the term of a television series growing its beard uh which is known as when a tv series matures enough to actually be really good and that comes from season three of Star Trek The Next Generation of uh, Commander Riker's beard coming But along. his beard showed up in season two. Sorry, season two. All uh, right. Uh, yeah, of Commander <laughs> Riker's beard. So, But Quantum Leap is a show that pretty much arrived done. The- More or less. Uh, the, the biggest changes we're going to see are uh, they're, they're cosmetic. We're going oh, to yeah. see a change in the way that the the special effect for leaping is shown. Um, we'll get a change in the imaging chamber door uh, and other uh, prop elements. Like for example, this episode, our first appearance of Al's hand link. Yes. Yes, indeed. Another Not the design it will eventually become. This is the, the, the we'll call it the prototype. Yeah. Um, things get tweaked as the series move along, but in in terms of how the show looks, you re- would really have trouble, apart from the first couple of episodes, unless you know the sh- the show really well. You know, you you can't really tell a difference. There's no like, gosh, did it used to be like this? Mm-hmm. And there is with other shows quite significantly. I mean, you know, just go back and watch season one of Family Guy for God's sake. Oof. You know, season one of The Simpsons. It, it, it's a totally different show, entirely different. Uh, but not with Quantum Leap. And this was the first one that was just, here we are, done, we've figured out how to make the show. Well, that was fast. Well, yeah. yeah. And and it showed me that I am, uh, I fear, impossible to please when it comes to television. Because uh, when we discussed the previous episode, uh, Starcrossed, I was complaining that they were getting too far ahead of themselves. It was the first regular non-two-part premiere episode, and he's already starting to mess around with elements of his own life while on a leap to help other people. And I wanted that to be something they come to later because they need to show us the stakes of a standard leap before they give us something out of the ordinary and special. Uh, to We need something to compare it to. So I was whining about that. 
Now, in this episode, it is very much a standard leap. You show up, you got your mission, you do it, you leave. And I was watching this episode feeling a bit displeased because they too quickly went to just a standard leap. I I think I've grown too accustomed with modern television taking the first, well, who knows how many episodes, maybe say the first six or eight episodes to uh, stretch out character development and world building. In a modern show, by this, the fourth episode, the main character in a situation like Sam is in would still be trying to acclimate to a life of jumping from person to person and never having a chance to slow down and take a breath. I mean, and like, they would play that out throughout an entire season. Yeah. We'd get to, say, the penultimate episode, and Sam would be losing his mind because he has had no break. He's been constantly on the run from one leap to another with no stability, and that would take an emotional toll on someone. Now, back in late 80s, early 90s, they didn't pay attention to that quite so much because they were focused on the individual stories they wanted to tell. These days, they have to keep the, quote, realism by showing the real-world emotional effects. But in this episode, he shows up, he knows that he's leaping, he knows that he goes around fixing things, and then he leaves again, and it seems a bit early for him to be so on board with it. They're playing it as though he's been doing it for years already. I honestly think it's t- it's linked very heavily to the amount of time over which someone is going to consume the the media. And this was TV in the late 80s. And so you were going to never see it once it had been on. That was it. It was going to you were going to watch it and then one day it might be repeated. You certainly weren't buying Quantum Leap on home video or anything like that. So you can just you know, you can get right into it whereas Go Netflix Daredevil, which took the entire season to sort of get from I've got superpowers to I should be Daredevil. And that's because they know, yeah, people are going to chug this on Friday night. We're going to take months making 13 episodes and you're going to be done by Sunday afternoon at the latest. And yeah. we were. And so it, it's TV series now are becoming kind of like very long films yeah they're they're decompressed movies yeah and not only do they have to these days they have to make it with an eye to the fact that eventually people are going to binge watch this even when it's not on netflix people will wait until a season is over Mm. bank all those episodes and then watch them all at once some people will do that so you have to be prepared for the whole thing to be watched in one go whereas back in the 80s you just watch this episode and they would assume every episode is someone's first. Oh, of course, there is that element as well. Because there's no catch-up or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It must seem weird to people now. It kind of seems weird to me. And I lived through it. That if you didn't see it when it was on, that was it. You didn't see it. If you missed Quantum Leap this week, you were never going to see that episode. I missed an episode once can't remember which one it was he was a snooker player and i didn't get to see that episode until i had my own house and had you know finished uni and bought enough quantum leap dvds to get to that episode right and that was from like 1990 it took like almost 15 years till i saw that episode because that was that was how it worked you watched it when it was on you didn't see it. There was no Netflix, no in, no internet of video. God. Do you yeah, remember that? There was one episode, one episode Next Generation that was the same way with me. One season seven episode that took me years to get because I missed it when it originally aired. I missed the rerun, so I just had to wait until it was available some other way. I still have trouble getting my head around the idea that there was once the internet that didn't have video. Like, not just oh. not HD video, but no fucking video. Yeah, no video at all. The the good old days of bulletin boards. Yeah. So lucky nowadays. Like, oh, iTunes has this in HD. Yeah. Isn't that handy? <laughs> Just, it's it's a new thing, though. It really yeah, is. And new. now my stepson has a device in his room the size of a next generation pad that gives him access to the whole of the internet. Which is basically, it gives him access to the entire world. 
And to him, this is normal. To not have that is is a disadvantage in life. Yeah. And I remember the days when I had to dial my phone by making a wheel go around. I, I kind of want to explain that to people. And just let's, let's, if you know what I'm talking about, let's take the time to remember. And if you don't, sit down, right? You, you used to have to know a phone number for people. <laughs> right? You had to know what it was. You couldn't just go, I want to call my mum and press the name that says mum and, and then mum talks. That, that didn't happen. You had a book. So you'd write it down in this book and everyone had a big book that would be kept by the phone and you'd page through it, go M, mum, and then you, you would have to dial the number. And that meant there was a circle of plastic on the front of this phone with nine, with ten holes cut out, each big enough for your finger, and a number in each one. And you would put your finger in the hole of the number you wanted to dial, and turn it all the way around until this big metal thing stopped you turning it anymore, and then let your finger out, and it, the dial goes back. That's how it used to work. And then you'd make your phone call, and your entire family sat in the living room would sit pretending not to be listening to your phone call, but really, they were. Because you couldn't leave the room, because the phone was tied to the wall. <laughs> Literally tethered to its place. Yeah, <laughs> None of this. And not, o- not only was the phone tethered to its place, but you were tethered to the phone, which was tethered to the place. Exactly. I just remember the horror of, you know, I actually think the telephone technology played a big part in me not really dating girls until I got to university. Because. Because you couldn't arrange a date. Yeah. Unless you were alone and you couldn't call the girl alone. No. And if you did. You didn't know she was answering the phone. You, there was no guarantee. You were going to speak to whoever in her house answered that phone. and you oh, yeah. were going... what, what a harrowing moment that is yeah. as the phone is ringing and you're wondering who it is that's going to pick up. And if it's her mother that picks up, then you can like sheepishly ask if she's there and talk to her. And if her father picks up, then you hang up immediately. Yeah. Hello, I would like to have sex with your daughter, please. Can, <laughs> can I speak to her? It's just you're not doing it. You're just not doing it. So I think even my adolescent hormone-ridden teenage mind just went, I, I, I don't care. I, I know I, I want to, to have sex with girls, but not that much. I'll take care of it myself for another few years. Yeah, I wait till I don't live here and have mum and dad leave the room. Well, not listening. Bullshit. Bullshit. Of course you are. Of course you are. Of course you're listening. You can't sit in any room with somebody on a phone and not listen to their half of the conversation. It's impossible. And so just lies. Oh. And and people who are confused, when we talk about a, a big book that you kept by the phone, you still see those today. Those are those confusing tomes that just appear at your doorstep. Most of the pages are yellow, and you open it up, and it's a bunch of names and numbers. What does that mean? That is the internet phone directory in a hard copy. And we used to use that to find a number. I need to call this pizza place so they will deliver pizza. What's the number? I don't know what the number is. Well, can we look it up on the internet? That doesn't exist yet, dick. All right. uh, Well, how else can we get it? Look in the book. And you have to go alphabetical order, not in the residential area where it has people's names, but in the business section where it has the business names. You go alphabetical until you find it. Pizza Hut. Okay, now there's 16 of them. Which one do I call? Well, now you have to check the addresses on them to find the one that's closest to you. And you can call them on your rotary phone and have them bring you the pizza. You can just imagine the conversation of somebody explaining phones to somebody for the very first time. Someone who doesn't know what a phone is and explaining that we'll all have a number that's unique to us. And you'll dial that number and that will go through to that phone and say, well, how will you know what everybody's number is? And being told, it's all right, we'll write them all down in a book, really tiny, and then we'll just give everyone a copy of that book. Like, and we'll um, continue to do yeah. that every year to every person, whether they want it or not, because we choose to ignore the fact this book is utterly obsolete. Why do they keep doing it? I don't know why they keep putting it out. 
we still get phone and this books. this is not a new conversation the internet entire has had this conversation about phone books and the uselessness of it for 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 years now i think it's, it's 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 still hilarious to talk about because yeah it, it's it's a great uh compare and contrast from the days of then and the days of now and it keeps arriving that's the thing if they stopped sending it we'd probably stop talking about it. We couldn't make fun of them for still sending it, could we? But no, they keep sending it. So probably stop that, BT. At, at least give us an opt-out. I don't want the book. They're not even... I never pick... I don't pick it up and bring it inside. I leave it out front until it's... Some, I don't even know how it disappears, but eventually it does. It becomes if part I of an animal's long enough, home. it will go away. Yeah. I, BT aren't even our national telephone provider anymore. Like, it used to be a private thing like the government owned telephones because why would it not and then margaret thatcher sold it it's a private company it has no responsibility to provide everybody in the country with a phone book but they still do and i I don't know why but anyway do you remember quantum leap no it was a great show it was about (laughs) this guy called sam beckett who'd leap from life to life putting what right putting right what once went wrong i have such trouble saying that you know it, it is a tough one. That is a tongue twister. Putting right and, what once went wrong. Yes. Try saying it really quickly, everybody. There you go. Everyone sat in traffic now. Wind down your windows and say it to the person sat in traffic in the next lane over. And if they if they realize what it is you're saying and they get the reference, they are your friend now. That's true. Don't ever let them go. Hello, Don't that ever... person. You 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 have done well. I'm speaking to the person in the other lane now. So he leaps into a boxer in the middle of a match and it doesn't take the viewer long to figure out that the match was fixed. Well, Sam yeah. got, got his opponent with a, a wild, uh, a wild backhand and the guy fell to the mat and that was it. He was a bit confused. No one else was confused. Oh, it's because the fight was fixed and that's all we needed to know about that. And from that moment on, the story just rampages through all the details that we need. He's got a trainer and he's got another trainer and then they leave and they're apparently never going to work together again. Now the nuns own him. Hey, Sam, come live with the nuns while you're training. Then Sam goes home where he has a girlfriend and a place to live, which makes a person wonder why the nuns are worried about paying for his food and lodging. If he already has a place to stay with a girlfriend who has a job as a stripper making money. Well, you don't need to get bogged down with these details because he has to move in with the nuns and listen to Amazing Grace. Um, yeah. Now then, his girlfriend, Terry Copley, she apparently did a playboy and then regretted it seriously and dropped out of all public sight. Uh, Is that is that how that went down? Apparently so. I've read that in somebody's trivia, either her trivia or trivia for the show. Uh, not, it wasn't trivia for this episode. Where have I read that from then? Maybe it's on her Wikipedia. Because I recognize her. She's quite an odd one. I recognize her a lot. And I have no reason to other than she was on this episode of Quantum Leap. She was actually in quite a lot of things. Um. Oh, she's working again. She dropped out from 96 to 2014. Ow. That's a bit of a vacation. That's what doing porn does to people. Ah, true enough. It's not a victimless crime, people. (laughs) Well, it's not a victimless crime, so... Yeah. (laughs) So, I I did find her character to be uh, almost completely useless. She was hard work. And, oddly enough, I found several of the characters in this episode... To, they felt almost useless to me, but I think it was because, for whatever reason, the character development for all of the supporting characters in this episode seemed fairly weak. You had, um, you had one of the nuns who was developed as an actual person that the viewer is supposed to care about. Um, at, at this point, I can't even remember her name, but she was the the cute, adorable nun who. Sister um, Angela. Lost her family. Sister, was that? Sister Angela. Yes, Played Sister by Angela. Michelle Joyner. 
who was in Cliffhanger, apparently. An outbreak. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. I got it now. Now I, the face was familiar. And now I get it. She was in Cliffhanger for about four minutes and then she felt her death. Is she the woman he drops at the beginning? Yep. Gosh, of course. Right. Okay. I've only seen Cliffhanger once in like 1997. So I've seen I've seen it more times than is appropriate for a person of uh of anyone. I remember enjoying it though. Oh, it's it's great fun. It's yeah. something that I would enjoy putting on in the background while I was say um sketching or um or or writing. I must get to uh, I must put that on. Oh, she was in an X-Files Chimera. That was the name of the I, episode. I wasn't just making a strange noise. I don't remember that one. No. Um, but in the, in this episode, she is rather likable. Um, you know, the audience wants things to go well for her because they do a good enough job of developing her character. Now, his trainer, that seemed a little abrupt. He was gone, and he wasn't going to work with him anymore. Then to find him in a bar. It's like, I don't want to work with you because you take dives, and I don't want to train like that. And then the bad guy comes in. Hey, trainer guy, you used to take dives for me. Okay, I'll train you now. And that was it. That's all it takes, though. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Um, it's. Do you know what? It's not a brilliant episode. It, it's not a standout episode. It's just there. And it's mm-hmm. fine. I'm not saying anyone should give it a miss. But this is not one I would include in my. If you, if you were doing a summarized viewing of Quantum Leap. Yeah, it does, it does not go in the must watch no column and it's it's a good standard baseline episode but there's nothing really special about it so you can move past it if you're if you're crunched for time it's also Um, not the biggest stakes i mean there there are some you know there's somewhere he's in race rights and has to save lives there's some where where people are being murdered or whatever there's some big stake leaps and this one's like well nuns want a chapel oh bless them do they really you know, they always want. I, I assume they've got some sort of chapel anyway. Other than just, otherwise, how are they nuns? You know, th- then you're just dressing up as nuns and meeting your mates around at someone's house if you don't have some form of church thing. Surely. Oh, well, well, they they have Saint Mary's. I mean, where are they living yeah. and worshiping? Where is Sam living if they don't already have a place? So they want a second church. How many churches do you need? This, these are questions that ought to be addressed in the episode, yeah. but they are not. The questions that are addressed in the episode are, how does Al address his inconsiderate, noisy neighbor? And how is it that Al can can so easily appear in the imaging chamber already asleep? I don't know. And then wake up and, and start that. That made me wonder if when... Sam was outdoors on the couch and Sam la- and Al lays down on the floor. And then later Sam is in the bed at St. Mary's and he rolls over and there's Al on the floor sleeping. Is that the same sleep? Was Al had ha- Al just stayed there the entire time and not woken up until that moment. I think that's what happened because he was wearing the same clothes. Quite possibly. We are told on a number of occasions, not yet, but you get it on a number of occasions that there's a great deal of time discrepancy between what Sam is experiencing and what Al is experiencing. Like we, we feel that the leap is instantaneous, but they say that it's not at all. Like it takes us weeks, if not months to find him every time. And even then, the have to center on his brainwaves and all kinds of stuff. So, mm-hmm. from Al's point of view, weeks pass from leap to leap. Um, and even it, the, it's it's as though Sam is somewhere floating in the ether between leaps, which could be uh, a week at Project Quantum Leap. And then when Sam reappears, hey, we found him. Go talk to him. And we say, hey, Sam, we found you. It's been a week. And Sam's like, what are you talking about? I just left a minute ago. Yeah. Uh, and I think they do address the question of it, when you're not in between leaps, where are you? You know, not that they come up with an answer, just but where where are you? Yeah. Something which is not addressed in Back to the Future either. When you hit 88 miles an hour, is it, is it instantaneous? Or are you traveling somewhere in between? We're shown it instantly, but we don't know. And so it might be the same sleep for... Al, absolutely, it might be. Um, 
I think it is. And then he wakes up and he complains more about this neighbor and he tries to train Sam because Al apparently forgets that he's a hologram and cannot make physical contact with Sam while training. Al seemed to be very off his game in this episode. He wastes a lot of time talking about his noisy neighbor and then tries to do the impossible when it comes to uh, uh, the physics of light and holograms and just forgets. And has to be reminded, oh, yeah, can't touch you. That's right. That's that's a Quantum Leap staple, though. I mean, it, it's always a nice little go-to thing when you can have Al help him out. Um, I'm reminded once again of the Snooker episode. Is it Snooker or Billiards? Or, I don't know. Tabletop ball game episode that I didn't see for many years where they Al helps him win by projecting lines on the table, like hit the ball there and it will go in that mm-hmm. pocket and that sort of thing. Um, it, it's a nice little thing they do from time to time because it lets Al save the day as well it kind of gives that character a boost it's a nice thing to put in and it just gets trudged up once or twice a season it's kind of like a holodeck episode on next gen you know it's a good one to go with and it's there's the, the the billiards episode there's another episode where Al uses the hand link to um scan a particular room and he's able to find uh, a bullet that is needed for a murder investigation that helps crack the case and save the day. There's all kinds of things Al can do. It's it's a nice a nice thing they do, and I like it that it kind of it reinforces their relationship. I mean, you kind of get to learn about just what good friends they are, yeah. uh, and they go through all of it together. Sam's never really on his own, ever, which is the a nice reassuring thing about it. It, not only for the character of Sam, but for the viewer, we know that there's always an anchor. There's always going to be one aspect of the leap that is always going to be the same. Yeah. And that is that Al shows up with his cigar and the hand link now. And he will do his shtick. <clears throat> He'll be the, the wacky, crazy, look at my look at my far out tie. And here's what you need to know. I noticed he's sporting a wonderful gold shiny jacket in this episode. I kind of wanted it. It looks like one my mum owned in 1989. <laughs> or one Michael Jackson went on tour in, or, or something like that. It's awful. It's big and paddy and flowy and everything. It's it's really upsettingly bad. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know what? This is also an episode, uh, which is something that crops up again and again. It's a convenient forgetting of some of Sam's skills. We we see him kickbox and all kinds of things later on and learn that he's trained in lots of martial arts and that yeah. sort of thing. But this week, he's going to have forgotten all that and he's going to be awful at boxing and just get beaten up immediately. Uh, and need an incredible amount of rigorous training in order to get to the point where he can actually win a fight. <clears throat> yeah. And I was waiting because I didn't know what episode they brought it up in. I was waiting for Al to say, oh, by the way, you're trained in kickboxing. If you can remember that, then you'll have a better time. Now, I know but it, it, it never happens. That doesn't come up. He will, of course, use his uh, skills in kickboxing and other martial arts later. And often <clears throat> there's an episode. Um, I think he's some torp, some type of a military man and he ends up using some kickboxing there. He uses it in the Lee Harvey Oswald episode. And to the point where he is so good at kickboxing that when he and Al switch places, Al becomes good at kickboxing. Oh yeah, I I was I know it comes in when he's the wrestler, which I've just found is season three, episode twenty. So I know at least by then it's it's been made very clear that he has a very special set of skills. <laughs> this is something that I think had they made the show today they would have made sure to build a list of things that he is good at and have that from the beginning so they could pull from that when necessary. Why would you not do that? That's what kind of surprises me. Why Why would you not have defined who Sam Beckett is and what Sam Beckett can do before you start writing an episode script, let alone get to episode four being made? Uh, it, it's just a little weird to me. Nevertheless, it is what they did, and that was television in the 80s, so Mm -hmm. live with it. 
Star Trek does the same thing. We would find give any any given episode from season three or beyond. They have a problem, so we can use this piece of technology. Anyone who's paying close enough attention will be able to say, wouldn't that have come in handy 18 times in season one alone? Yeah. That would have saved the day right there if you had done that. Because there was no such thing as canon. There was no such thing as, as all of that. Because as we said, you didn't see this stuff again. That no one could go back and check. Uh, so it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Uh, so here we are. That's that's how we got to to this. It's cool, yeah, though. It, it's something that Stargate did right. Because they would use technology that they had to fix the problems. Even if they're bringing it back from... The last time we saw this technology was three seasons ago. It's okay. We still have it, and it would work here, so we're going to use it. And if they didn't want to use that technology, the writers were pretty good at putting in a mention of saying, well, can we use this technology from two seasons ago? No, because this and this. And that's good enough to satisfy the, the viewers. Okay, well, that's why they can't use it. Well, at least they mentioned it. They didn't forget about it. They didn't pretend that we're stupid and wouldn't remember. And then just move on from there. I will plug Stargate whenever I can. Fair enough. Uh, let's talk about some of the other people. We've got there's some f- interesting names on this this cast list because we've got Guy Stockwell, who is Dean Stockwell's older brother, mm-hmm. playing the bad guy. Uh, now then, what was it? He was oh nothing. I'm getting confused with somebody. I thought he'd been in something rather large that I was shocked it was him but it, it, I'm remembering completely wrong. He has been in nearly every significant television program you've ever heard of though. Um, <laughs> Usually um, for one episode. Yeah, oh, always for one episode. I'm just going through his IMDb list now and, and before sort of, let's see, Columbo was his last acting credit in 1990, Murder, She Wrote, Quantum Leap, uh, Matlock, Simon and Simon, the Fall Guy, Knight Rider, uh, T.J. Hooker. So he's he's Matt William Shatner probably. Magnum P.I. Chips, Fantasy Island, Quincy M.E. I'm missing ones out. Police Story, Airport. You know it it goes. This guy's been in some TV. Bonanza, always for one episode. The Wild Wild West, Ironside. I'm just saying names now. <laughs> but you, you well, you hit Night Rider. I was waiting for uh, Airwolf, Street Night, and Thunder in Paradise, so we could have we can have a face to attach to our um to to our TV mashup poster. The title of which I've already forgotten. Yeah, sorry. That's... That is anyone who remembers those series. How amazing would it be? Night Rider, Street Hawk, Airwolf, and Thunder in Paradise. You got the car, you got the motorcycle, you got the helicopter, you got the boat. Series that were centered on the vehicles only. Put all four of those together. They have the greatest Titanic mashup of vehicles that you've ever seen on television. I I don't know now you said it like that. You know, I, I think it might be too many vehicles in this show. Never. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, we also have in this episode Father Muldini is played by Louis Arquette. Uh, father of Patricia Arquette, Rosanna Arquette, and David Arquette, and some other people too. Funnily enough, also named Arquette. <laughs> I didn't see that one coming. No, he probably didn't. But there you go. He did that as well. Um, now, I did feel like I was dropping the ball a little bit on my uh, television actor knowledge because there weren't really a whole lot of people that I recognized. I mean, uh, Sister Sister Angela... I knew that I recognized her from somewhere. I just couldn't figure out where. Yeah. And everyone else, all the other supporting characters in this episode, totally unfamiliar to me. Well, you don't get big guest stars for season one, especially when you're a new kind of sci-fi show. This could go either way. You you can't be booking big names yet. Um, But I, I think so. Some... Well, they didn't have to be big when the episode was made. They had to be people who would <clears throat> become big and become recognizable later. Are there many people I, like that? Throughout? I, I say clearly indicating uh, your excitement over Terry Hatcher in the previous episode. Yeah, that's true. There must be, yeah, there'll be other people like that. I can't think of any right now. Are there other people like that? Oh, I, I know that there are going to be other people that show up that are recognizable. I 
Can't remember them right now, but I know they're going to be there. I bet Brian Cranston was in an episode. Oh, that would be amazing. He turns up in everything. It turns out he's been on all television all your life. You just didn't notice. And uh, now he's like, look, Brian Cranston in this show you watched when you were nine. And you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. He was in an episode of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. There you go. He's everywhere. It wouldn't surprise me if he's in a quantum leap, although he's not. But, you know, <laughs> there's someone like him. It will happen. Have you already checked? No. I'm, I'm checking right now. I'm just hoping. All right. As I scroll back several years, um, I think of something else to say about uh, about the show. Let's talk about <clears throat> the uh, the heavy leaning toward God and his hand in this particular situation and possibly his hand in the directing of the leaps. Oh, I, uh, yeah. Okay. I don't know. I, I don't think it's God. I don't think they ever really decide that. Do they? They, they never decide it, but um, even in this episode, they are, Hinting that Sam wonders if it could be God doing it. Yes, he does. Yes, that's true. Um, hmm. I, I, I don't know where I stand on it being the whole God thing. I kind of just hope it isn't. It doesn't really matter because they don't decide one way or another. It's kind of left open to you. And, and what they mean by God is sort of left open at the end of things. Um, and and so it's it actually gets quite deep and philosophical in regards to that. But I just hate it when God is a character in stuff. So yeah. I just don't want it to ever... I didn't want it to be that, even when I was a kid. Just don't let it be, oh, God's doing it. Really? Because that's kind of flawed as it is in my mind, you know, is God omnipotent or not? In which case, why does he need Sam Beckett? You know, why, why can't God just put right what once went wrong? I'm practicing saying it a lot. Um, <laughs> and if, if they leave that as a, a, a linchpin for the story, if that's something that the entire uh, plot mechanic hinges on, the existence of God, well, then you're going to, that's going to run the risk of alienating a bunch of uh, viewers. If there are staunch atheists and they start to get the feeling that this show is centered on a man who is sent from time to time by God himself, they're going to tap out because this is the reason they stopped watching uh, highway to heaven and touched by an angel. So I don't want any of this. They're going to disappear. If they say that maybe it's God that's doing it and a bunch of, uh, devout Christians, if the faithful begin watching the show because they think that it is a show touting uh, God's grace and goodness and wisdom and sending Sam back and forth, and then they say to us near the end of the series, oh, by the way, it's not God, well, then they feel cheated. Exactly. And then they don't they don't help out with our letter-writing campaign to get the, um, the sequel series, Project Quantum Leap, The Search for Samuel Beckett. They don't help us get that on the air, and then we're that much worse off for it. Exactly. I have found a list of famous people in Quantum Leap. Oh, good. It's Brian Cranston is not on it. I already He's not. Marco Lamo is, and Jennifer Aniston, and... <laughs> Jennifer Aniston in the episode where Sam leaps into the guy with no legs. Yeah. That I remember. This... Marco Lamo, I did not know he was in the show, and now I'm going to be watching for him because I love that actor. He's awesome. He is he is a delight to watch in anything he's in. Even his small little part in Total Recall. Yeah. Nails it. There's just loads of people I recognize in this. Um, Tia Carrera. <laughs> uh, um, sorry, I'm okay. Yeah. Dr. Ruth. Terry Farrell. Chubby Checker. Kurt Fuller. Uh, David Graff. You'll know as Tackleberry from the Tackleberry from yep. the Police Academy movies. Neil Patrick Harris, um, Terry Hatcher again, uh, 
dude from ER. There's lots I'm skipping past because they don't just spring to mind as to who they are and what they've done. Joseph Gordon-Levitt was in it. Michael Madsen was in it. Roddy McDowell. Uh, Robert Duncan McNeil. Lieutenant Tom oh, Paris. Lu- Lieutenant Paris. Yeah. Or uh, Cadet Locarno, depending on which uh, which version of him you want to go with. I'm going to go with Cadet Locarno. Jason Priestley. Oh, I've clicked on a picture of some woman. I don't know. Uh, Bob Saget. Brooke, oh, wow. Yeah, Brooke Shields. Uh, yeah, yep, that one was very, very intentional because they wanted to evoke the Blue Lagoon storyline. It's a very similar plot in that episode. It is indeed. I've never seen the Blue Lagoon. It was, I was told, it, you got to see boobs. Is that true? Um, uh, Allegedly so. I believe I've never seen the movie either. Yeah, it was one I've just never caught up with. I know I wasn't allowed to watch it when it came out. Or something. Well, they, they're they the ones that jump out as being particularly famous. I'm surprised uh, Brian Cranston isn't there. Um, But there you go. And to people who make Quantum Leap Dash... Oh, no, never mind. You've not even got a real website. It's it's all right. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have a go at you. Uh, that <laughs> that would be mean. That would be mean. I'm glad that you like Quantum Leap. Actually, I'm. It's good. Keep keep it alive. And yeah, come listen to our show. Yeah, exactly. We're, plug plug our show on your non website. That's that's the way to do it. Um, I have nothing else to say about this episode of this show. And I, I, yep. I think we should leave it there, unless you've got I, I found myself with not a whole lot to say on this one in general. A lot of it was going to be based on the future of the show. Like, why is Sam not a kickboxer yet? Um, why does Al not realize that he's a hologram? And why was there no mention of the hand link? This is the first time we see it. It's the, So obviously it's the first time that Sam has seen it. Why is he not saying what the hell is that? And why didn't you have that the first time? That thing is so useful. All these questions and more will be answered one day, perhaps. <laughs> but probably not. Don't hold your breath, people. <laughs> probably not. We will find ourselves talking more about uh, boxing with midgets and uh, Nick Locarno versus Tom Paris. We will indeed. We will indeed. So thank you for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that look into episode four of Quantum Leap. I bet you can't guess what's coming up next time. <laughs> if you can't, be careful. Don't hurt yourself on any pointy objects around the house. And, uh, you know, don't be sticking things in electrical outlets. For the rest of you, guess what's coming up? Episode 5 of Quantum Leap will be next time. Uh, so, we'll see you then. Bye-bye. <laughs>